ghouls and gore, and sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to my bloody podcast. <laughs> it is so exciting today. This is our 52nd episode, meaning we've been on a full year. I mean, it's been more than a year, but this is our 52nd episode weekly podcast, 52 weeks. Preston, we made it. Yes, we have. We have, and we're we're very we're very uh, excited about this. Uh, I'm Brian Kluger, and we we have a great show for you today this week for our 52nd episode. One perfect year. We're doing our main feature presentation, of course, for our perfect year called The Perfection, coming out on Netflix this week. We can't wait for you to uh, to watch it, but uh, we'll get to that soon. But yes, again, Brian Kluger here, BoomstickComics.com, HighDefDigest.com, and I am here with the perfect other host to this horror podcast that is not afraid to uh, to dismember himself or anybody else that gets in his way of Disney movies or horror movies, I think, Preston Barta. Yeah, Steelbooks, too. Steelbooks. Don't, don't stand in the way of his steelbooks. He'll get angry. So, uh, so yes, yes. Um, we, we're going to get to some news. We're going to get to some bloody questions and bloody recommendations. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, and Preston, just 52 episodes, man. I'm, I'm excited to be in this milestone with you. Yes, every week is a milestone. Every <laughs> week we are excited, and it seems now you're adding the the topping of like a James Headfield kind of yeah, intro. So it's great. <laughs> I like it. So let's start out with some news first. Um, a new trailer dropped today, which is the new Terminator film called Terminator Dark Fate, which has James Cameron uh, returning in a producing role, um, and the director of Deadpool uh, 1 is directing the film. What's his name? Tim Miller. Yes, Tim Miller. And... Uh, and then it brings back Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton reprising her role in uh, as Sarah Connor. So I'm excited. The trailer, you know, doesn't show a ton, but it shows just enough, and it shows Sarah Connor returning as a badass with the big guns and stuff, and shows the new Terminators and how they've evolved, which looks pretty scary. Uh, I am definitely not optimistic about this movie because I've been burned for like three or four movies already. <laughs> so Correct. I don't know what to think, you know, like it looks cool and I want to love it. Cause I love this Terminator series. But like I said, from Terminator three through the last one, we haven't really received a good one. So I don't know, Preston. Yeah. Um, honestly, I felt pretty underwhelmed by this trailer just because of everything of what you just said about how many times we've been burned because every trailer looks good I, I don't i don't really recall the trailer for terminator 3 but uh the trailer for salvation and genesis i was excited about those especially genesis i really thought that that looked quite incredible 
uh, until like the later trailer started spoiling things. But uh, it looked exciting, and, and I just feel like this one doesn't seem that much different to me. Uh, I know a lot of people seem to be going off on the internet about how it's exciting that there's two different machines that are being introduced uh one being like a hybrid between a robot and a human and then this new uh bad guy played by uh i keep on want to say diego luna but it is not diego luna thank god (laughs) (laughs) maybe uh uh i'm sorry is it daniel luna i don't i I can't recall (laughs) um i apologize but anyway the new bad guy he uh He's shown in the trailer in the shot that's kind of taking it back to the T-1000 being inside a semi-truck and um, busting through the, the the windshield. And so there's a shot of him like splitting and going through the windshield to take a form of – so he, it shows that he's like a mix between the T-1000 and a bit of a Terminator – which I guess is kind of similar to what they did in Genesis uh, with uh, John Connor in that film. So I don't know. I, I just I'm just not seeing enough fresh ideas here for it to be exciting for me outside of just seeing uh, Linda Hamilton back in the role and shooting big, gu- big guns, which is uh, a cool image, uh, whether it's uh, in this film or her just doing a photo shoot but um yeah i'm just uh i need to see more i the only thing that kind of has me a little more hopeful about it is that james cameron's back uh i think he developed the story which uh, it says on the poster has like a lot of people who are involved in the writing i don't know if you looked at the poster and saw how many people they have credited uh who uh, wrote the film but james cameron develop the story so his involvement uh may mean that it's going to be something a little bit better than we've had for the over 15 years yeah let's let's hope so i uh i'm really really hoping for a good one like i'm really hoping like you can go from terminator one two and then skip to this one and leave the other ones alone it looks like it's uh it might be a little more simple because it looks like just a, a chase film and uh, Mad Max Fury Road. It's one of the best films of all time and uh, it keeps it dead simple with just being a chase film. So there's that as a possibility too of just having complex uh, female characters and having a chase film and then just keeping it as, at that and just having great action scenes. So I'm okay with that. I don't need necessarily need to know more about the Terminator mythology and all that stuff. We, I think at this point, maybe just get us back on track and then you can build from there if it's successful. Let's, let's hope so. But yeah, check out the uh, Terminator Dark Fate trailer. Uh, when did this movie come out? Is it this summer? Uh, yes. Um, or actually, I think it's like November. Oh, November, so Thanksgiving time. Okay, there you go. Terminator Dark Fate, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton back in the seat again. Let's hope for the best and let's hope for better, or not better, uh, more more stuff, more trailers and hope this is good in the long run. Yeah, it is November 1st. There we go. Um, the other trailer that came out today, which I'm super excited for, is a trailer called The Nightingale. 
And this is the second film from the director of The Babadook, uh, Jennifer Kent. And uh, this looks unbelievably good and super violent. So it doesn't look so much as a horror movie like Babadook was as it is a revenge film. Yeah, it looks more like The the Unforgiven or something like that. Yeah, and it just... So I guess what this movie is about takes place in the 1800s and... Uh, this ruthless, like, police guy who's just hell-bent on raising terror uh, kind of sentences this uh, young woman, and uh, he kills her husband and her baby and tortures her, and then she breaks out somehow, and then he she is out hell-bent revenge to get him with the help of a tracker. Uh, and supposedly this movie is all sorts of crazy violence uh, that might be that might might uh, might scare some people. But from what I'm reading from everybody is that it's all necessary and poetic or whatever. So I'm, I'm super excited about it. <laughs> Let that be a quote <laughs> so, uh, after you see the movie. It's uh, poetic or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yep. 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 Um, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we've, it seems a bit derivative, you know, we've had a, so many revenge flicks. I mean, John Wick included, but, uh, and I actually got this one movie that I plan to watch tonight, uh, with, uh, Olivia Wilde. That's also a bit of a revenge tale, uh, called, uh, the, a vigilance or something like that. Um, anyway, but I like, when uh, I like revenge films when they're not necessarily put through the mainstream filter, because uh, especially from a filmmaker Jennifer Kent who did The Babadook, which you know Brian and I both enjoyed that film, and I feel like there's like a certain aesthetic, a certain quality. Uh, uh, nothing against a lot of the filmmakers in the mainstream, but uh, there's just like such a richness that is brought by independent cinema where you know they're they're not going through huge sets it's just completely uh centers on uh the characters and i like the idea of this bond between this woman and her tracker so i'm excited about all that um i i I get the feeling that there's a lot that the trailer is choosing not to show us um like maybe they're withholding a lot of the best parts because it's one of those films where you just kind of just have to take a leap of faith, kind of like the movie that we're talking about today, The Perfection. Uh, wouldn't suggest watching the trailer. Just kind of just go off of, hey, you got a, a lot of creative people involved. People are saying it's good. Just take a chance. And so uh, I don't if they release any more trailers for The Nightingale or any more information, unless we have to report on it. I'm good enough to go check this out. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm for sure in. The Nightingale uh, can't wait. If uh, I love, we but like Preston said, we both love Baba Duke. I'm sure this is going to be even more insane and great. So, yeah, I hope instead of the baby, because yeah, well, I don't like watching babies get killed or kids get killed, but. Uh, if I had to watch a kid get killed, it'd be that kid from the Babadook. <laughs> well, like so when awful. I was reading the uh, the synopsis, it definitely says that. It says like this dude like basically 
brutally kills her family, including the baby, and like that's what sets her off. So, and supposedly yeah. everybody's saying that it's going to be super graphic and violent. So I was like, oh god, here we go, here here we go. So yeah, it's kind of it's good. it's probably going to be one of those movies. If anybody chooses to rewatch it, they're going to like skip the dog getting killed kind of thing in John Wick and just watch the revenge part because they're like. That's been pierced into my brain. I don't think I'll ever forget it. So I just need to watch, uh, you know, chapter five on or something. <laughs> and maybe Preston will walk out of the theater once again. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's been, it's been, it just cause watching mother was like right after my son was born. So just baby imagery <laughs> with, uh, you know, all that just wasn't going to cut it for me. I think now that my son's like two years old, I've, been okay because i've seen another film that involved killing a, a child and I, I was okay but oh man i just wish all of you listening could have been there with me during the mother screening because i was sitting next to somebody i can't remember and when that happened i saw preston just up and walk out and i just i think i leaned over and said well there goes preston <laughs> 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 that yeah. was funny uh, I, I will never forgive Darren Aronofsky for that. <laughs> That's just like poor timing. Yeah, just like I don't, I don't know. Right there, he knew he knew it was happening with you, so he's like, "We got to put this in." So, yep. all right, gotta moving on to our our weekly child's play Chucky yes. news. Uh, this is the child's play. We need play to come segment. up with a name. Um, this is uh, our friend to the end segment. Probably. Yeah, uh, uh, but Child's Play news. So there's a new TV spot and trailer. I watched it. It's about 30 seconds long. Uh, so it's a little bit more. It shows an actual full shot of Chucky with a knife looking crazy. And it, I must say that really quick shot looks absolutely terrible. Uh, and the red eye thing, I'm just not behind. Maybe it'll be different in the movie, but... Uh... You really just need to voice your concerns out there because... As Sonic the Hedgehog has proved, if you if you are loud enough, they will make changes. Yes, yes. And it's like what's so was so good about the original Chucky in Child's Play is like he still had blue eyes and he just like it wasn't just like he turned red when he was bad. I, I don't like that. But... Like they need they don't need to sell the evil a little bit more. But um, y- you know, uh, so here's two things. One. You know, we we haven't seen the movie. It could play well once we see it, once we have the context of the film. But two, um, I don't think it was revealed in this behind the scenes uh, thing that you can watch on YouTube, which is like about two minutes long. Uh, it, it doesn't really add anything more than you can probably already you probably already know from the film, or if you've watched other behind the scenes, it's just people talking about. Uh, the icon that uh, Chucky has become the horror icon and how important it was to them to kind of honor the legacy of Chucky, but also create something new. And then they talk a little bit about how it was important for them to use like animatronics. They had like six different versions of Chucky or I guess uh, that could do certain movements and they used a digital uh, they use like CGI for the eyes. Um, so they were able to like show more emotion, but, uh, a story that came out through, I believe it was Collider, um, said that, 
from I think I believe the director said this that when he first read the script, the thing that stuck out to him most was that uh, they created a new kind of Chucky uh, beyond him just being like an AI, uh, a smart doll, if you will. But he um, he's going to be more sympathetic. And they treat Chucky like a Greek tragedy, like he's like a uh, a monster, kind of like Frankenstein, like a tragic monster. So, and that completely goes against everything of what I enjoy about Chucky, which is just him being pure evil and just being afraid of him. So, I don't know how you feel about that, Brian, but I could just see you being pretty mad about the idea of them trying to make Chucky. Uh, question his purpose and why he's doing what he's doing maybe there's like i hope it's not something dumb like uh a a person uh involved in the the creation of the buddy dolls whatever they're called uh has like some sort of sinister agenda uh and it really starts to feel like uh small soldiers or something like that. But I don't know. How do you feel about them wanting to turn him into a uh, tragic monster? (laughs) Chucky's just misunderstood. (laughs) So after hearing this, I just, it's not going to work if they go that route. It really won't work. Uh, And I'll tell you why. If you think back to um, the remake of Friday the 13th, they tried to make the Freddy Krueger character, misunderstood and tragic however in the end of that film it was revealed that yes he actually did kill all these children and that perhaps might be the same avenue they're going down where he might be misunderstood and in the end this chucky doll chooses the evil path but it's it's such a terrible concept it does not work and you're just like i don't feel bad for this doll it's a doll make him a killer i don't want to sympathize with him i just want him to wreak terror that's what chucky is you know i don't i it's it's uh i think you meant uh nightmare on elm street by the way oh that's um, what i meant what did i say friday 13th friday 13th yeah i meant nightmare Um, on elm street yeah sorry yeah uh yeah it's like the i don't know it's like filmmakers today they feel a a sort of pressure and and they're just going to hear it from all sides i mean they hear they heard it jj abrams heard it from Force Awakens when, uh, I mean, I love the Force Awakens. It's probably the most fun chapter to me thus far. Um, uh, but, uh, it, 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 it tries to, you know, it works with just its nostalgia is trying to, doesn't really create a whole lot of new ideas, uh, per se. Uh, and it feels like a lot of filmmakers today feel a bit torn between wanting to create something that's, going to honor what's come before but also feel new but a lot of these new ideas we don't really like because we like the simplicity of uh michael myers being uh, a, a a nobody uh just being a ghost a boogeyman doesn't have a name really attached to him and then when you start assigning uh a backstory to them it takes the sucks the mystery out of them and makes them less scary because they're just out there on the open so um i'm still going to give it a chance um but uh i I mean i like that the it producers are involved and all that everything of what we said before mark hamill 
Like there's a lot of great things working for it, but there's a lot that has me uh, worried about it as well. So, I mean, all we can do is just see it and then uh, comment after. There you go. There you go. And it's, you know, along with that, you know, it's hard with a remake like this when there's so much lore and stuff before it. You you really right. you, you can't separate it. Like you're you're gonna go in and you're gonna watch this and you can say to yourself, yeah, I'm gonna just watch this as something new. But then you're most more often than not, you're gonna say, well, that was just okay and not great. I'm not gonna watch that again. I'm just gonna go back to the the original, you know, five six movies. And it's so I I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to do here. I just I don't know. Too many universes. Yeah. So, so there you go. Child's Play. There's another, yet another teaser. There's more behind the scenes stuff. So, uh, we'll be back next week, of course, with your friend to the end segment. <laughs> yes. As more of it comes available. Until June 21st, we will keep it going. Correct. Um, moving on, there's a cool bit of news that just came out. Uh, there is a new movie being developed called The Burden, which is based off a short film. That get this, James Wan and Sam Raimi are joining forces, teaming up together to produce this film. So, like the big big names in horror are coming together because they like this short movie so much, uh, which is called The Burden, directed by Nico Van Vandenbrink, uh, and that's just kind of cool. Uh, I'm I'm in for this, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, as as uh, all we really know is. Uh, the synopsis, which is the short, uh, and it's based on a Dutch short, uh, centers on a young woman visiting her boyfriend's family home. There, she learns about a sinister history with his creepy neighbor, and soon all kinds of skeletons come out of the closet. So, uh, I have not seen this short. Uh, so, going off of that, it's pretty dead simple, and I don't know enough to really comment on it, but if uh, it interests James Wan and Sam Raimi, that's good enough for me because I liked uh, – I actually had seen the short that Lights Out is based on before I saw that uh, film. And I actually – and I like Lights Out. Um, so uh, that – yeah, again, that's good enough for me and uh, we shall see. Yes, yes. So we'll be updating you on the burden uh Probably uh, quite often because these are two big names, and like uh, Preston said, we both enjoyed Lights Out, and uh, so yeah, very cool, very cool. Uh, and then uh, another bit of news, I think one of our last bits of news for the week. Uh, there is, there's been some fan films of Friday the Thirteenth. I got it right this time. Jason Voorhees. Uh, there is call, one called Jason Rising. Uh, that has shown a trailer and stuff like that, but uh, like a little short. And now it is on crowdfunding websites trying to raise money to to make a feature film, I believe. So it's called Jason Rising, and if you haven't seen any of like the trailers or a little scene from it, it it, it looks good. So... <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I got it. You know, when I first saw the news, I was I got it confused because I thought uh, it was about because there's another there's actually quite a few um, uh, shorts trying to be made into films. And uh, one of the other ones that I was uh, that I'm more excited about, although this one looks 
better uh, from from the footage that they have shared with people to try to raise money um, was uh, Friday the 13th Vengeance, which is, uh, I believe we've talked about it before because of um, C.J. Graham, who oh, yes, uh, yes. played... Yeah, who played uh, Jason Voorhees and Jason Lives. It's supposed to be a continuation, kind of a spiritual sequel or a spiritual successor to that film. Um, and and this one, I guess, is kind of just be a uh, probably just like a remake of the second one, I guess. Um, uh, but it's cool that the trailer shows the little teaser that they have shared with audiences, which, you know, it, it still has that kind of fan-made film kind of quality to it but they make the most of it and i think it works well um but they bring the mom uh, jason Voorhees mom into the picture mrs Voorhees, and uh I, I guess we can assume that she doesn't have her head but uh which they don't show but she has like this like witch like uh appearance to her you see a lot of shot of her hands and they look like they've uh, been uh, decomposing for a while so uh that's interesting um so, uh, yeah, if that, that interests you, go check out that trailer, um, for Jason rising and see if it's worth, uh, giving your money towards. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it, it's not to be confused with, uh, our own Friday the 13th project. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, get in line, I guess. Yes. Get in line for sure. There you go. Uh, is there any other news before we move to bloody questions? Um, I believe that's it. I mean, uh, Brightburn is releasing this weekend, uh, we, which we didn't get to see here in Dallas. Um, I believe they only screened it for critics in New York and L- L.A., but uh, it, it's from uh, – or G- at least James Gunn is involved in it in some capacity. I think he produced it, but it's uh, from the director who directed The Hive, uh, which I have not seen, but – uh, our good friend James Cole Clay saw it and he hated it. So um, take that what you will. But um, the reviews thus far are pretty mixed to negative, I believe. Uh, I can't remember where the tomato meter was. Um, it might have been around 50 to 60. So um, it's got a good cast, Elizabeth Banks. Um, and it's pretty much just like if Superman was a horror movie. Um, which is how it's uh, being labeled in a simple kind of way. But um, that movie's releasing this weekend, so I felt like we should probably bring it up. Yes, for sure. I mean, it looks it looks super cool, and supposedly it's pretty violent and horrific. I just, yeah, I do not know why they didn't do a uh, big screening of it for everybody, because I would have definitely loved to watch that movie. So there you go. There you go. And I believe that is news for this 52nd episode of my bloody podcast. Uh, Let's move on to bloody questions where we ask a horror question to you and we answer it. And hopefully you chime in and we bring it over to Reddit and we get uh, some of their uh, some of their good reply some of their comments about the question and there are some pretty funny ones here oh my so uh only a few though but it was it was pretty fun so the bloody question this week was if you were a horror movie monster what would be your signature perfect kill and what song would play in the background uh so yes preston what about you good sir 
So I would, in I guess to pay tribute to a certain scene from Shaun of the Dead, I would be throwing steel books <laughs> at people to kill them, just like they throw records in that film. And uh, Tiny Dancer would be my song, because I've always wanted to see a shootout sequence, some sort of like just somebody doing a badass thing to that song and by Elton John. And uh, yeah, so that would be me throwing steel books to tiny dancer. I like that a lot. Uh, so, so with, with mine, you know, I have to, <laughs> I was trying to think of like a really fun one, you know? Uh, so I am going to say that my, well, I, my usual thing would like to be resort to chainsaws, but uh, I'm going to um, add a little thing onto it because my favorite movie is Army of Darkness. So I like I would want a chainsaw, but also have a shotgun attached to it. And how I would the signature perfect kill would be to have the chainsaw running, you know, go up somebody. Uh, from the bottom up and, you know, pull the trigger of the shotgun comes out of their head, slices them in half. That's, that's mine. And it would be to the wonderful classical music of Beethoven. Very, very elegant. I think that would be me. Yeah. Cause I would picture like the blood with like a fountain type of thing, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're like, who am I doing this podcast with? (laughs) No, it sounds like something. I would say. Uh, sounds just like you. <laughs> so, yes, uh, let's go to Reddit and uh, see what everybody on Reddit said if you were a horror movie monster. What would be your signature perfect kill and what song would play in the background? Uh, one of our great Reddit people named Anus Burglar, <laughs> oh my, said. I'd be a hideous, oily, humanoid monster in Vietnam or Thailand that slithers around underneath the rice paddies and cocoons people in acidic mucus, keeping them alive underground for days while their skin and organs are slowly dissolved. An inexperienced young village cop and his slacker friend would have to hunt me down and trap me, but at the end, they'd discover I was just one of dozens of others of creatures. My theme tune would be creepy mandolin music or something like that. They went really all in for that. <laughs> what do you think? You there? Did we lose Preston? I think. Hang on. Okay. All right. There we go. Okay. Sorry. That then I was leaving it on mute so okay. you could un- go undisturbed. But uh, yeah, that sounds cool. That sounds good. Uh, I am the magistrate. Said a Soviet mech busting into Nazi Germany and slaughtering the Nazis while bonfire by knife party plays. <laughs> And if you don't know Bonfire by Knife Party, uh, if you ever watch Breaking Bad, uh, it is they play this dubstep music when Walt and his son get the two new cars and drive up their driveway. <laughs> that is that song, which I think mm-hmm. would be super fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, another Redditor by the name of Lush Motherfucker <laughs> says, 
They're watching TV. Let's say it's Winnie the Pooh. Things are getting sentimental. Power cuts out. The TV turns on, but now it's the Revenant. DiCaprio is being raped by the bear. But the only sound is the gentle frolic of Teddy Bear's picnic. The werebear crashes through the window and seizes his victim, as werebear are often wont to do. The camera pans in and on the TV as Teddy Bear's picnic continues and blood spares the screen. We cut back to reveal he skinned his victim to make a man suit. The summer werebear will wear man. <laughs> that that takes that, that's the winner of the week. Yeah, this summer werebear will wear man. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. There you go. And then uh uh D D Cosmar said the McGruber throat rip with Mr. Mister's broken wings playing naturally. So there you go. And then Burning Pike said, music from the Nutcracker plays as I ice skate on custom-built chainsaw skates through a beautiful winter evening Christmas tree lighting ceremony, throwing uh, beautiful-style spinning kicks. I'd also be wielding dual super soakers filled with sulfuric acid for the children's choir. (laughs) Oh, my. I I love that imagery, but then I would like to see... um the person create that and be like, well, this isn't going to work. I can't work out the logistics of this. Chainsaw skin. Oh my. Well that, that, uh, thank you so much. Lush motherfucker. I believe you are the winner because the Winnie the Pooh bear rape DiCaprio and this summer where bear will wear man. <laughs> oh my. That's, I mean, I mean, he's got, he should go ahead and pitch that. Cause, uh, He's got the slogan down and everything. He does. I like this. I think the only thing he was missing was the music, but I guess if they're watching Winnie the Pooh, basically, I guess we can have Winnie the Pooh music. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure they let that happen. <laughs> and, oh. and it would have to say directed by Lush Motherfucker. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, directed by Lush Motherfucker. I like it. It's The fun. new G. But way cooler. <laughs> the new McG. Oh my! All right, so uh, we are um, going to move on from our bloody question. If you had an answer or reply to our bloody question this week, please email us at mybloodypodcast at gmail dot com. But now on to my bloody recommendations, where we suggest a horror movie that you might have forgotten, or one that's just coming out that we want you to see and watch and enjoy. Preston, your bloody recommendation of the week. Yes, so uh, I initially uh, set out to watch a, a few other films uh, with a uh, bloody recommendation in mind. But uh, my wife and I uh, chose to watch another film on Netflix last night. And cause a lot of these films are going to be leaving Netflix. So jump on it as soon as possible. But uh, oddly enough, Brian, you uh, mentioned it earlier by mistake, but Friday the 13th, the 2009 version. Um, I really love that film. Um, I don't, Brian, do you like that film? Yes, yes, I do. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so th- if you've never seen it, um, it's uh, it's super good. Um, the, you know, the characters, like a lot of all the Friday the 13th films, are, are, are kind of lackluster. There's not 
it's almost like the filmmakers know that there's this is the Friday 13th recipe. You, you can't really change it too much. I mean, it would have been like an even more incredible film if uh, the characters were enjoyable to hang out with and you actually cared if they died or not. But um, I guess the more the, the point here is to make uh, Jason Voorhees scary and that they do accomplish. So um, the, the remake uh, opens with uh, pretty much like everything of what happens in the very first film that came out in 1980. Um, we just see the killing of Jason Voorhees' mom, and then we get into uh, kids talking at the fire in present day, and uh, then they start getting picked off, uh, leaving one member uh, left alive. Uh, but she went snooping around in uh, the Camp Crystal Lake uh, cabin, and they find uh, a locket of... Mrs. Mrs. Voorhees. And so she keeps it and that is what saves her. And so, uh, we cut to like six months later and then we have a new group of kids that are going to, uh, a family cabin around the lake. And then we have, uh, one character, uh, played by Jared Peldel. P- P- uh, what is it Pedelki? oh man uh, uh I, i'm sorry i'm butchering his name uh Pedelki. paddleki yeah paddleki yes yeah anyway the guy from uh supernatural and right. gilmore girls yes so he's uh searching for his sister and uh so we just kind of follow them as uh they try to figure things out and they start dying so uh, but what makes this remake great, and it also kind of saddens me because uh, I believe Paramount lost the rights, and uh, so all they could make was this one film, and uh, which is a bummer because it's it's the best of the remakes that were that came out in the 2000s uh, with Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween. Um, because uh, the way that they present Jason Voorhees is he's at his most scary, like he's the scariest he's ever been. And he's also pretty smart. Um, there's a sequence in the film where you uh, were, at, were actually throughout, you get to see like his underground layer. And he's like really thought things through and makes it very hard for people to escape his grasp. And uh, he has like a light system going on like uh uh laurie strode in the new halloween except he's smart enough to turn it on earlier <laughs> so there's just like all these like great things uh the the kills the death scenes there's there's a few that are, are, are kind of limp um one involving a, a girl getting stuck on a, a deer antler um which i guess uh there's a lot of movies that do that like lost boys but um Creative kills. There's, but but yeah, there's some really good kills, inventive kills in this film, and um, it tips its hat to the original. Does certain things um, that are, are uh, you know great for fans, but uh, it 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 also is everything of what we were describing with the Chucky remake. That it just keeps it dead simple. It is following 
the the path that has been laid down countless times, but it finds just enough of a twist to make it more compelling for the audience. And that being, uh, they created uh, Jason a Jason Voorhees that is scary and smart and um, has inventive ways of killing people, which is what makes him great. So uh, it's on Netflix right now. Uh, I have. I managed to find like a, a one with a slip cover, the killer cut, um, um, because I believe the audio is pretty low on on the Netflix. I don't know how good your TV is, but you might have to turn it up to like 60 or something like that. It's pretty low, um, but they're going to be leaving Netflix. So if you haven't seen it, it's a great Friday night kind of horror movie to watch with a loved one and uh, get freaked out and uh, just watch the greatness of uh, Jason kills. So, uh, yeah, 2009's. Uh, Friday the 13th is my pick for this week. There you go. Yeah, I remember watching that in the theater. It's like, yeah, this was not bad, surprisingly. Yeah, and it's hold, it holds up pretty well after 10 years. There you go. There you go. It's uh, pretty good. That's a good recommendation. Go you. Go Preston. Go Friday the 13th and Jason. I like yes. it. All right. Uh, my bloody recommendation comes uh, in the form of a 1978 film, but was actually released early, early 1979. And the movie is called Long Weekend uh, from the late 70s. Long Weekend, mm-hmm. directed by Colin Eggleston. This is an Australian horror film, and it's actually pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, if if you want to watch this, it's on Amazon Prime, or you can buy it on Blu-ray from Synapse Films. Uh, but it follows this couple who go to the beach, uh, camping a weekend camping trip, uh, and these this couple are just they're just assholes. Um, they just kind of just don't show any respect for animals or nature or anything they're doing. They're just, they're just dickheads. You don't like them. Well, luckily at least like the film knows that we don't like them. So the film kind of turns on them, meaning the nature turns on them and starts to attack them uh, by like animals and eagles and possums and, you know, other things in nature. And uh, it is, uh, it's actually really cool because it's like, you know, a couple that are like kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And even though they're assholes, they're trying to survive kind of uh, everything attacking them, which, of course, they definitely deserve. But what's cool about this movie is like you think it's going in one direction and then it like goes in a different direction. It's pretty cool how they do that, uh, how it happens. And we'll talk about that a little later with our main feature. But... Um, it was uh it, it was it's a good movie you should watch it interestingly enough i believe quentin tarantino has mentioned this movie a few times as a film he enjoys watching so yeah if you can find it amazon prime it or something like that uh long weekend the 1979 version cuz i believe they did a remake of it in 2008 with uh, jim Caviz- Caviezel, but Jesus Christ himself. Yes, JC himself. But yes, uh, this is a this is a cool movie that's kind of been lost. Nobody really talks about. But yeah, Long Weekend. It's a 
it's pretty cool and it's it's way better than M Night Shyamalan's The Happening. It doesn't it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 way more simple than that. But if you like take a look at like the Blu-ray cover, it's just it's it's like pretty brutal. Um it's it's, it's pretty cool. So uh I suggest you uh getting this Preston and everybody else out there long weekend if you haven't already. Cool. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, so yeah, those are our, uh, bloody recommendations for the week. And now on to our main feature presentation, a movie we're very excited to talk about. Uh, this movie is called The Perfection and it is directed by Richard Shepard, who, uh, a couple years ago, at least I got to interview him and I'm sure Preston did as well. Yeah. Uh, he directed a great film a few years ago called Dom Hemingway with Jude Law, which was excellent. He's directed episodes of The Girls, uh, not The Girls, just Girls on HBO, amongst other things. Uh, but uh, his... So this movie, The Perfection, is showed, uh, premiered at Fantastic Fest this past year in Austin, Texas, and it stars Allison Williams and Logan Browning and an incredible Steven Weber. And this film, oh, it's just, it's, uh, I loved it. And so luckily how Preston said earlier on with Child's Play, not Child's Play, with a Nightingale trailer, um, it's good to go into this movie without watching anything. And that's what I did because luckily Preston and our good friend Susan Kamyab over at this chicksflicks.com did not spoil this film at all and... Thank you for that, and luckily I haven't really watched any trailers for this because I would have been upset if I did. Just go into this blindly, and oh my, this movie is so much fun. Preston. Yes, um, so there's there's one level of our audience, uh, if you have not seen it, and we suggest going in blind, um, I would stop listening now, go watch it and come back because we're going to get into a little more details uh, about the story and then we're going to get into the spoilers. So uh, there's your warning. So, yeah, uh, I yeah, I saw this film at Fantastic Fest and uh, the the best thing, as we've mentioned with uh, before about going to film festivals is a lot of the times uh, they're just uh, creatives that you really like and admire, like uh, Richard Shepard, which, as you said, Brian, we got to interview him at the Dallas International Film Festival, I believe, for Dom Hemingway. And I love Dom Hemingway, and that movie just kind of got lost, uh, uh, which which is a bummer because it's so funny and great and has so much style. And uh, I was so excited about um seeing a movie with that director uh, and all that was released was just an image. And it's just Allison Williams and Logan um, Browning playing the cello together on a stage. And that was it. And so I like glanced at it and I was, I almost dismissed it. Like I almost scrolled past it and I was like, eh. and then I looked more into it uh, and saw that Richard Shepard was involved. Allison Williams was in it. And, um, it seemed to have like this kind of twisted nature that I was craving, which is like great for fantastic fest audiences. Um, because it's so much fun when you watch a film that has so many twists and turns, uh, cause the audience is very vocal. They're like, Oh my God. Like it's an experience that, uh, I will forever remember that will go down with ex- the experience that I had watching split 
at Fantastic Fest and the guest, even though I saw the guest before Fantastic Fest, but watching it with audiences, it's just so much fun. And so it's it's a bit of a bummer that uh, it's not going to be played in theaters because it's it really is like such a a type of movie that's just great to watch with a you know a good amount of people who uh, love the horror genre or love the thriller and twisted kind of movies because it's just it's just great and I think it would do well there. But at the same time, it's pretty daring and it's a very ambitious film and. After uh, Susan and myself saw it at Fantastic Fest, we got the chance to talk to Allison Williams and Richard Shepard there that um, we didn't really know what to talk about because it's like Cabin in the Woods because uh, I did a press for that back in 2012. And you're just like sitting down with these like great people after you've just watched like this amazing movie. And you're like walking out there in the world and you're like, I have this knowledge that so many people don't have. And uh, since I saw this at Fantastic Fest, I've been like living with it for like eight months. And uh, I just didn't know what to talk to them about. And so I was like, how are they going to put together a trailer? Like, it's just like the twists start like right at the top and they just keep going. Yeah. I think in my, re- in my review, I said uh, – it takes so many twists that it begins to take the shape of a double helix. It's just like that crazy and intense, but yeah. Uh, bottom line, it's just like, it's such a fun film, but it's got like a lot on its mind. It's not just like twists for the sake of twists. Like there's a lot going on here. Um, yeah. So it's interesting because I would imagine with press and I were, we're seasoned in movies and we've seen more than you probably know. Uh, it's not easy, at least for me, but I imagine both of us, it's not easy to uh, fool us in a movie. Right. And I can usually tell, we both can usually tell where a film is headed by one aspect or another. That's just, we've seen so many things, we know what to look for. And for me, with the perfection, it was not the case. I was completely shocked in uh, it, with every twist and turn in this film went, and I loved every bloody minute of it. Uh, Preston, were you the same way? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was almost like it, it, it's hard, so I'm gonna dance around spoilers, but um, at least for now. But I, I got a feeling kind of similar to when I was watching. Um, uh, shock, uh, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile, um, where it's like you, if you're going off of get out, your, um, immediate thought is like, I can't trust Alan, Allison Williams. And so I had that feeling kind of going on, uh, throughout when you're watching the first act. And so it's just like interesting that a film can kind of like play with the different character perspectives And, uh, even if you may know something that may be coming or think, you know, the movie is still like causing you to like, uh, get caught up in, uh, the characters and what's going on that, uh, it's just constantly, you know, I guess as a pun or, um, that it's like playing you like a fiddle, (laughs) um, that, that 
yeah, that you just think you know what's going on, but yet, you know, it, it plays, uh, it goes a different route. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's that's about as much as I can really say uh, before we get into spoilers. But the way that it's shot is really well done, um, which is no surprise because of what I said earlier about Dom Hemingway. But uh, there's like uh, he does a really good job of uh, kind of like pay- paying homage to like old school horror um, where they do like the what do you call it? Like a mat shots where they where they like stack images on top of each other where images should not be in focus yet. They are in focus. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. So, so so you, the the depth of field you would see like in a normal shot, somebody in the background in focus, but normally you would not see somebody or a side of their face in focus at all. But yet it plays with that to where it has it in both images and focus. So that's, it's like finding ways even in the camera department in the editing department to uh, kind of play into the twisted nature of the film. So it's just like every aspect of filmmaking is working towards one common goal. Yeah. It's uh it's so good. And I'm going to press a nail on the head there. It's just like the, the shepherd's camera work and how they film this is just so good. And like, subtle ways of showing you like these these two main characters and like their lives and how they intersected uh is just so good even if it's as simple as both of them walking up a winding staircase in the opposite direction it's just it's just kind of cool how they did that and you're just like oh that's that's um I see what you did there i loved it so if we were going to go into a non-spoiler review I would say that this film kind of centers on uh, a woman named Charlotte, played by Allison Williams, who was one of the best cello players in the world. But she yeah, left. Yeah, she was a prodigy. Yes, she left the music scene though to take care of her sick mother for a few years. But after her mother's death, which happens, you know, at the very first, you know, minute of the movie, of the yep. she heads back into this like very luxurious world she left behind, where she kind of crosses paths with uh, her former coach and teachers and her successor named Lizzie, a a younger prodigy that's kind of taken over in her footsteps but has reaped all the rewards of the fame uh, and everything that Charlotte should have had. And then uh, these two... These two girls, uh, Charlotte and Lizzie, were coached by this same person, played by Steve Weber. His name's Anton. At this, of like, Wings. Yes, from Wings. Uh, uh, who who teaches at this like very exclusive, high end uh, school, private school. So uh, and so that's kind of where I would leave it. Uh, if you're yeah, going non spoiler, happens. Yeah. So I would leave it there because. To go in more of this, because like even in the Netflix trailer, you see things, but yeah. I don't want to go into that. Oh, well, we will, but that's kind of that's where it's setting it up. And you know, with what goes on in this movie, Allison Williams is just holy shit. Like you've seen her in Girls mostly, and then you saw her in Get Out, and you saw her, her character in Get Out. How 
oh, I love this girl. And then all of a sudden on a dime, you're scared of this chick. And she kind of brings that, or she definitely brings that, if not more, in this movie. <laughs> and holy God, she just, I, she's slowly becoming one of my favorite actresses. Like, and I love that she's doing genre stuff because she's so good at it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so shall we go into our next uh, column of spoiler section? Yes. So, yes, the the spoiler bit of it. So after you know these two people have crossed paths, both Lizzie and Charlotte uh, decide, oh, we need a vacation, you know, because I just buried my mother and you've been working your whole life. You need a vacation. So the two become very good friends and they set out of a two week like kind of like backpacking trip basically and then preston i'm sure you know what happens next yeah so yeah they call it a rough and tumble where they're just going backpacking around uh not getting first class and all that like sort of uh first class treatment that they've been getting you know from being a part of this school um so yeah, they go they go on this trip together. Uh, they become romantically involved, um, and they begin to fall in love. And it, it's it's that part of the film is really well done because again, like what I was saying earlier with Allison Williams going off at Get Out, like you're you're uh, you're second guessing her intentions here. Like she seems like she's coming off as this person who's just being very nice and. Um, they like respect each other because very on early on when they meet, uh, Allison Williams's character says like, um, you know, I've been I've been working towards this and I had to leave and take care of my mother. But then um, Logan Browning's character says that, you know, you've been an inspiration to me ever since I was little. I think uh, Allison Williams's character was 13 when she left and then. Uh, Logan Browning's character was nine once she entered. So yeah, we're seeing like what uh, what it would have been like if uh, Allison Williams's character had stayed there and uh, reached the level of success that Logan Browning's character does. So once we get through like them uh, uh, becoming very close, um, they they're at a recital or they're at a you know like they're they're some sort of a performance and they perform together uh which is the image that i was talking about earlier of them playing the cello side by side and that's all i saw but um once they do that like that's like the foundation of their bond and how they become close with one another and uh after they like start spend the night together partying drinking uh letting cutting loose uh, they see one guy uh, vomiting, and then that sets up that there might be like some sort of contagion-like thing going on here. Um, and so it, it's uh, Allison Williams like sprinkling all these little things for her to pick up on and latch onto, so ever so subtly. So when it comes to doing her big move, it really has an impact. So we get to Logan. Browning's character becoming really sick and uh, she starts uh, throwing up and they they go on a, a, a bus together and she starts getting sick on the bus and starts throwing up and then uh, Allison Williams's character says that uh, you uh, there's there's bugs oh my god is that bugs and so when she's vomiting 
they see bugs like little maggots and it just starts getting more intense more intense like uh Logan, man kudos to logan browning because she is for a good i don't know like 10 minutes is completely freaking out in, in the audience we have no idea what's going on we're just as baffled by the situation as she is and so we just have it's all we have a, a feeling of is this this feeling in our gut of like oh my god like where is this going to go and it's just so intense and then it gets to a level where uh, she starts seeing bugs inside of her arm and then all of a sudden we see uh, Allison Williams say use this and she has like a meat cleaver and she cuts off her arm and then it cuts to black and we're like oh my god like what the hell and she and, and so Allison, when she has the meat cleaver and she says, "Hey, use this," it's like almost like she's selling it. Like she has a smile on her face. Yeah, and... like she's like, "Yes, everything's going according to plan." Yes. <laughs> so yeah, quickly from there, uh, the movie rewinds in like a funny games kind of way, and then we get to see like uh, Allison Williams's perspective, everything of her like laying down. Of and so at this point in the film, we we understand that she is uh, probably has some developed some sort of jealousy for the situation, and she's just getting revenge on the situation. And then uh, so that that's the next segment. I believe it was called the mission. Um, and so yeah, the movie's split up into chapters. It has little titles for each thing, and some of the titles, especially the last one, the duet like got a really good response in the audience. Everybody in the audience was like, Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Cause we know exactly what's going on. It's the, it's the Kylo Ren and Ray moment from the last Jedi when they team up together. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I guess to go through the next chapter real quickly, uh, it's, it becomes Logan uh, Browning's character bec- uh, is dealing with the after effects of her not having an arm. She goes back to the school and, um, she's not being accepted because she's completely lost her gift. She has, she, and so that's just bringing a whole nother layer. It's like multiple layers of different movies going on where you're like, it's hitting at this jealousy that we all kind of feel when we're like a, a colleague is going, is, uh, rising in, in the ranks and, and we're stuck. And, and then we get to this section of like losing your gift. Uh, for, for me, it was like, you know, baseball i couldn't play baseball anymore you get hurt and can't play anymore so there's just like all these like levels of like detail that are really relatable but yet it's like sent through the filter of a uh genre film that's probably uh most in line with the movie the audition yeah Um, yeah it's got that level of like twistedness that just would make them great companion pieces but um yeah, uh, we get to uh, Logan Browning char- Browning's character uh, dealing with the after effects, and then she decides to take revenge. So she goes and finds Allison Williams' character, and then they confront one another uh, in kind of like a uh, – like finds her in a house. And so that, that's reminding you of another horror film or other horror genre, like stalker genre. And then uh, – Your revenge piece, really. Like yeah, she's yeah. out for cold-blooded revenge, and – you see this happen, uh, and then the next scene is that uh, Logan Browning's character, Lizzie, is back at the school, 
And she wants to tell Anton, like, accept me back because I have the person, Charlotte, who did this to me. And from there, you're like, oh, sure. God, they're going to do something to her. And then, and then you start to see, like, oh, okay, so this school is not really what it seems to be, you know? Yeah, they they they're operating like the Catholic Church. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yes, in more ways than one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, they they have like an evil agenda. Uh, the school does. Of they have certain ways of achieving perfection. Um, so we see subtle shots. They don't like go into it in, in a way that where they like you know reach beyond their grasp and it gets becomes too much. It's like just enough to be like. Oh, there's something crazy going on because we see like a shot of Steven Weber's character out of focus, like completely nude. And we get and then we find out later that they they raped them if they did not achieve perfection, if they missed any sort of note. And so it's like all these like rules that are uh, I don't like John Wick's coming to mind. Like they just have a certain way that they operate. And if you don't abide by the rules, uh, there are consequences, and these consequences are absolutely disgusting. Pledge your fealty. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there, man, some of that imagery, once it gets down to it, where you think that Allison Williams's character is uh, – on one hand, you're like, why, why would you be so dumb to uh, – um, leave yourself out there so easily to find and then uh, be backed into this corner. That's just like impossible to get out of. But then, you know, there's another layer of deception going on. Um, so yeah, we see like shots of like, cause Logan Browning's character doesn't have her hand anymore and it's just a nub. And uh, they have Allison Williams like chained to a chair after she uh, was asked to perform and she messed up. Um, she had, it, her punishment is that she's going to be raped again as an adult. And uh, it shows Logan Browning's character uh, proceeding to stick her nub inside of her, which is, man, I was grinding my teeth. I was, but, uh, but then you we could find out. You can imagine, you can imagine what I was feeling that at that moment. <laughs> I was, yeah. I, I mean, you're a guy who loves these kind of twisted, crazy movies. So I imagine as disturbing as it is, you were just eating it all up with a big bag of popcorn. Oh, yes, I was. So, uh, yeah, they uh, they have their Kylo Ren Ray moment where they team up and then the title comes up duet. So they're just at this point, it becomes a revenge film on that uh, school yeah and they get it and uh it's great so yeah it's just one of those movies that is uh really hard to because it's so deeply it's multi-layered we have to break it down in that way normally we don't want to talk about the plot so much but it's just like one of those movies that is just like so crazy that you just want to share the details like every detail and you're like oh my god how did you react to this moment what did you think of this moment uh, what did this bring up for you? Um, uh, that it's just like it's one of those like groundbreaking kind of movies, even though there's, you know, movies like The Audition that are out there. Um, but it's just like very rare that you get an experience where the movie just really invites the audience to participate and uh, try to figure things out. Um, uh, works its magic more so than the Da Vinci Code. Um you don't spend a lot of time 
with characters explaining things. There's not a whole lot of like exposition scenes. It just allows it allows the images and the material to kind of speak for itself. And it doesn't need to put on this whole other layer of explaining. So it just trusts its audience. And those are those rare movies that you just don't get very often. So, uh, the fact that it's an interactive piece, uh, uh, a genre film, or I guess a, a film that just goes in all different types of crosses genres. Uh, it, it just, it, it makes it such an engaging and exciting experience. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I absolutely love this film. And been, it was my favorite movie I saw at Fantastic Fest last year. Haven't been able to shut out, shut up about it. And I'm excited that it's out. Me too. I am so excited. I'm so glad I finally got to watch it. And I've been hearing so many good things about it. And really, these performances by Allison Williams and Logan Bryan are just so fantastic. Like, they just... They they really went the extra mile, and even their physical work in the film, kind of yeah. like their body language, is so good. Yeah, it's like it's it operates like music. It's very strange. Uh, like uh, the fact that even uh, that the two uh, actors uh, learn to play the cello because uh, the movie shows wide shots. Because you know a lot of movies, you if. Uh, they have a musician involved. They'll like, you know, do close-ups of the hands and they'll have the, like a talented person stepping in to show off uh, their skills. But, uh, I mean, this movie shows the wide shots. I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, ver- well versed in the area of cello to notice if, Hey, they're moving their hand this way. Does it actually make that sound? But they sell it really well. And I believe that they actually did learn how to play some of that stuff. So uh, it's just, yeah, like I said, mentioned earlier with all the different uh, components of uh, filmmaking, just kind of working its way from minor stuff of their body language, like you said, and uh, music and uh, the camera movement, editing, like everything is just working uh, towards uh, conveying a certain feeling and it pays off really well. It does and does. And yes, yes, this, this movie goes to some very dark places. It gets bloody and gross. There are multiple instances of secretions from every orifice here. Uh, and it goes, it's, it's really dark, but it's, it's also so good. And like, it's musical, uh, in a way. And, just how it's shot is just the camera work is excellent performances. I I'm going to add this movie to my repertoire as one of my favorite movies, you know, for, for a long time. And I think you'll, cause the storytelling is just so sublime and you won't, I don't think you'll see what's coming. And I think upon multiple viewings, it'll probably just get better. And yeah. uh, it's just it's just undeniably good. And yes, and uh, like Preston said, I really wish it's got a wide release because it would super, superlicious be fun uh, in a big screening with people because there's certain moments where just everybody would be, oh, oh, God, snap, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And it would be fun to watch. Yeah. So they did the right thing by, by uh, having it play at, film film festivals and because that just you know spreads the word and gets people up fired up and going like it did for me um so i got that opportunity and it was so great and uh but at the same time it's just like one of those movies that's just going to be it's hard to sell so how can you really put butts in seats uh based off of people just saying hey trust me go see this you'll have a great time 
Um, so Netflix was probably the best home for it. Um, I, I yeah, it, that, that's just the way the cookie crumbles uh, sometimes uh, where some really great films that you see uh, at film festivals uh, sometimes uh it's just like the way things are today. Like you, the big superhero movies make the money. And then some of these like really great work, uh, end up on VOD and Netflix, which is a great thing because, uh, more people can see them and talk about them. And so, uh, I'm just, I'm just so glad it's out there and it's easy to, uh, uh, have access to, uh, with Netflix. So, um, I, I just I'm, I'm hope pleased. at some point this comes out on Blu-ray or 4K with bonus features. Yes, uh, I hope so too. I uh, I was thinking about that um, once I found out that Netflix was getting it because uh, they haven't really gone outside of like Stranger Things, and um, they haven't really put out like anything. But I hope that. Uh, but they're showing that they're constantly evolving. Like they're they do actually put some certain film, like they put Wine Country in the Magnolia Theater out here in Dallas. Yeah, and I think they're going to do the same thing with uh, Always Be My Maybe. So uh, they're 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 learning. Uh, it's it's a it's a new process for them. But I, I hope that they start uh, releasing stuff on Blu-ray and uh, make it fun for collectors uh, who appreciate uh, films like this yes i hope so too so yes go go watch it go get that netflix and watch the perfection it's worth your time it's excellent and a lot of fun and that wraps up our 52nd episode of my bloody podcast episode 52 we will be back next week episode 53 i am brian kluger with BoomstickComics.com and HighDefDigest.com, uh, we are we are doing all sorts of fun movie, Blu-rays, 4Ks, high-def gear, pro wrestling, and music stuff. And this is the Multimedia Men Podcast. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and subscribe to us, rate, review us. And then, of course, Preston Barta can be found all over the internet. Where at? Yes, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Preston Barta, B-A-R-T-A. And uh, you can find my writing on DentonRC.com, Denton Record Chronicle, where I'm the film critic. And I am the features editor of Fresh Fiction, which is freshfiction.tv. And we have lots of great stuff up there, as we do every week. And uh, the only thing I wanted to plug this week, which is not of the horror genre, but is my favorite film this year, which is Booksmart. Also releasing this weekend, I gave it has my first five star review of the year so far. Um, so uh, go over to dittonrc.com and find that review and go see the movie. You can actually watch the first six minutes on YouTube right now to really uh, get you in the mood if you love uh, teen uh, comedies slash drama films in the same vein of The Breakfast Club and The Edge of Seventeen and. Uh, mean girls and that it's just it's just great it's a great film uh that plays with an area in my life uh that i'm very nostalgic about and uh just took me back and but also has like a lot of other things kind of going on that makes it fun and exciting and heartfelt so yeah book smart see that I hope I hope I see this movie soon so I can come back on this podcast and completely destroy Preston. Uh, Preston, do I, I I I really want to do this because I know, I in my mind, in my mind's eye, I know I won't like this movie, 
And well, uh, you, you know what? There's, there's, don't be an asshole. <laughs> um, it's like there's, there's movies just made for people, and this was one of those movies that was just made for me as a horror fan. I am, I just, I love other genres. Uh, I have respect for all different genres, and. I I love romantic comedies like the romantic comedies that Netflix is putting out and so I I just love all areas of film and this one just really spoke to me the most this year so far so uh don't rain on my parade mister <laughs> Perfect we'll see what happens in the next couple weeks <laughs> Oh, that was good. Um, hey, if I got you to see the movie, great. Great, great. There we go. All right. Um, all right, yeah. That's our that's our episode of My Bloody Podcast. We will see you and love on you all next week. Thank you, Preston. Thank you. <laughs>